Hello, I'm Witch Dr. Alex. And I'm Hood Healer Angel. And you're listening to the 7 7 7 Show. A renowned traditional healer who goes by the simple name of Witch Doctor. the astrologer version of the astrologer um here to tell us about upcoming transits and then um today we also we're going to introduce our well my co-host my permanent co-host for the 777 show podcast who do you angel he's here to talk to you about um who he is what he's about what he's knowledgeable about and what can we accomplish together on this podcast not to make it sound too much like you know a school project because that's what we want to avoid but we're just trying to sound as regular regular as possible and just you know just chill and we're here to give you a good podcast tonight so um without further ado we have verge the astrologer here to tell us about upcoming transits um here we go if you will verge yeah thank you guys for having me it's good to be here um Wow, there's so much going on right now. Um, we just had the new moon on the 9th, um, the Goddess Gateway. Um, during that new moon, we had a pretty spectacular conjunction going on in Virgo. Uh, at the Sun, Moon, and Mercury in Virgo. Uh, Mercury was sitting over at 6 degrees, the Sun at 18, and the Moon at 17. Um, during that time, there were also seven planets in Earth signs. Um, there are now five. Mars has shifted into Aquarius. Um, so, pretty big shift there. Uh, the moon, obviously, no longer in Virgo. Um, the moon is currently singing Libra. Um, you know, so with all of that Earth activity that we've been having lately, I think we've been feeling that really big shift from all the retrograde activity this summer where it felt like we couldn't really manifest things. Um, we were hit with hurdles for everything that we tried to, you know, see materialize. But now with all this earth sign energy, it's really time for manifestation. Um, we're starting to see the physical um, results of our hard work and the things that we put our energy into over the summer, over the year, etc. With that, you know, we also have some very sexually charged energy right now. We have Lilith and Mars together in Aquarius. Um, So people might have been feeling into that as well. I know some of my clients have been, you know, saying they've been dealing with these surges of energies. Um, Even some people dealing with some Kundalini issues, different chakras just kind of, you know, giving them some some trouble. Um, So with that, Uranus is in Taurus, and I think all of these other Earth um, planets are really bringing out that Uranus in Taurus. I think we're going to start feeling it, especially when it leaves retrograde. Right now, it's currently retrograde at 2 degrees Taurus. Uh, So as soon as that kind of goes direct, leaves a shadow especially, I think we're really going to start to see that energy manifest and pick itself up. Um, So with that... You know, there's a lot of tough energy still on the board um, across the table for a lot of different signs. Um, We just had Mac Miller pass away. Uh, Mac Miller and I share the same birthday. So 
when he died, Mars was directly on our sun at 29 degrees Capricorn. Um, I was definitely feeling into some of those vibes myself, but it was just, you know, really sad to see someone go that early. Um, Neptune is in Pisces right now. It has been for a long time. It's going to be there until 2024. So with that, Neptune rules escapism. Neptune can make someone want to escape the physical limitations of their reality. Okay. So with that, um, you know, a lot of people with Neptunian energy, they can turn to drugs, they can turn to substance abuse, they can become addicted to sex. They need vices that, you know, make them feel something. It's almost like they're so oversensitive to everything that it's hard for them to feel something as deeply as they long for and as they crave for. I know you did a YouTube... I was going to say, I know you did a YouTube about um, Mac Miller's... Um, uh, passing, what would you say would be like the, the most transit, like the most telling transits that you would say would uh, have contributed to that? I know soldiers don't typically like to predict death, but um, I know you said something, something pretty um, sure. unique and poignant if you want to go into that. Yeah, of course. Um, the biggest thing that I saw in his chart was Neptune in direct opposition to his Jupiter. Uh, so he had Jupiter and Virgo at 14 degrees and Neptune sitting at 15 degrees Pisces. Mm -hmm. So with that direct opposition, um, you know, Jupiter co-rules Pisces. So Jupiter can already bring some of that Piscean energy. Um, so being directly across from Neptune, transited by Neptune in that way, it definitely will bring some of out. I actually went to an astrology meetup um, here in New York City a few weeks ago, and the talk was on um, death triggers and things that can bring up some of those tragedies, you know, with our energy from our natal chart, etc. Um, people always think that it's, you know, Mars and Pluto, um, Saturn even, the malefics. But more often than not, it's actually Jupiter and the moon that tend to be that trigger. Um, you know, looking back at death charts, like you mentioned with astrology, we try not to really predict things like death. I try not to tell a client anything that's going to directly alter their course, you know? Yeah. Astrology teaches us that we came to learn the lessons in our chart. So running away from them, going around them, they're only gonna come back to you. Mm -hmm. um, so with that, yeah, Jupiter and the moon, it's almost like those are the two planets the two inner planets that really govern spirituality and sort of, you know, the higher realms and psychic connectivity, things of that nature. So I like to look at it as those two planets opening a doorway, if you will. Um, you'll notice a lot of people die around full moons, die, they die around like big lunar activity. Um, sometimes the trigger is actually the full moon prior to the death. Um, you know, so more often than not, there, there are a lot of different factors that go into it, but I find that Jupiter and the moon can sometimes be the culprit. Mm -hmm. uh, that and then Pluto over the ascendant is also a very tricky transit. It's, it's not always something that's going to end in death, but it usually can be very volatile. Um, whereas a Pluto sun transit actually leaves people very powerful. I find that after that transit, 
the person is not really the same. They sort of come into a new identity. Could you go into more detail about that transit? Like, what what about the sun, Pluto transit, or which which one exactly would it be? Conjunction or or yeah. trying? Um, yeah. So conjunct. Um, the reason I know about this is because I am a Capricorn, so I have this to look forward to. Um, <laughs> I'm actually in my Saturn return. Then it ends, and then I'm going to have this fantastic. Um, Pluto conjunction to my son um, in 2020 to 2021. Um, you know, it's going to be a pretty long transit. Nice. But ultimately, I find that people's values change, the way okay. they look at themselves, the way they, um, the relationship that they have to their own power okay. changes. Um, I find that people become more well spoken, they become more sure of themselves. And it's because of all of the you know, the trial that Pluto can bring with that transit, it definitely brings a lot of death and rebirth, you know, is the cliche um, Pluto phrase. But ultimately, sometimes that death and rebirth can be a little bit more positive and feel a little bit better. And other times it can be something as tragic as a car accident or losing a family member, losing a job, um, things of that nature. So when it comes to Pluto, you can always expect to be really thrown out of your comfort level. Um, typically, something is taken from you, but then you gain a lot more in the process. Uh, and would, you say, would you say that like the Pluto? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say with all of the Virgo energy, um, one thing that we can do for ourselves is beware of being too much of a perfectionist. Um, especially having had the sun and moon together for the new moon and then Mercury there as well. I think this moon cycle is going to bring out a lot of those Virgo themes. It's going to make us want to work hard, want to perfect our craft, but also it can bring out some high-strung um, activity as well, being a little bit too judgmental and critical of our own work and other people's work. So just something to be wary of. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say, like, uh, what would you say? We can talk about this on another day, but I was just going to say, like, what would you say would be more um, more severe? Would it be, like, a Saturn return or the Pluto transit we were just speaking about? Wow. Um, so Saturn return, for me, really depends where your Saturn is, whether or not it's retrograde, what the aspects are. Um, I've seen some Saturn returns actually be very positive. Um, it really depends if you're someone who put in the work in your young adolescence, if you're someone, you know, you went to college right after high school, not even that, you know, we don't need those cliches. Let's say you got a job right after high school, you saved your money, um, you know, you put in the work, you worked hard, you, you acquired some discipline and you put some structure to your life. Saturn's going to work with you. He's going to reward you during your Saturn return. Nice. Um, if you're someone like me that went to school for finance and ultimately had no desire to go down that route, I was sort of just doing what I thought was expected to me, go to college, get a job, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so for me, I really did need to be thrown off my rocker a bit in order for me to, you know, figure out what I was here for and what I was supposed to be doing. So for me, my Saturn return, I actually tore my ACL. I've completely blew out my knee um, just over a year ago, well, a year and a half ago now. Um, 
right during the beginning of my Saturn return. Um, if you don't know, Capricorn rules the need. So pretty, and I have Saturn and Capricorn in my natal chart. So it worked out. You know, I, I probably could have predicted that. I probably shouldn't have been running around with a bunch of little kids. Um, I've played basketball my entire life, played in college, and I tear my ACL for the first time running around with literally, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, playing with my brother and his friends. Did you know about astrology then? What was that? Did you know about astrology then, and did you know about the astrology of that? I, I definitely did, um, but at that time, I was in a really bad relationship. Uh, I was working a job that, you know, I was just draining spiritually, and I really wasn't putting the time into it. So, you know, looking back, I'm actually very happy that that happened because it forced me to sit in solitude for months during recovery, during surgery, all that stuff. And it, it made me go and be introspective and really reflect on what I was doing, what my purpose was, um, what my next steps were. And ultimately, you know, I was already reading charts and doing all of that then, but you know, when you spend four months alone in a room, um, I just, my astrology just went to the next level. Um, I read so many books, did so many charts. Um, so ultimately Saturn put me on the path with that lesson. So that's typically what you can expect. Um, you can know this just through residency, you know, what are you missing from your life if you're around that age, 28 to 30? Um, what responsibilities have you been neglecting, especially associated with the sign that your Saturn is in? Um, so, yeah, Saturn Saturn is a planet that we need to work with. People often fear it, but realistically, it's definitely there to help us. It's there to put us on the path and speed us up. We need that Earth and we need that structure in order to manifest in the material realm. So that's been my experience with Saturn, um, but yeah. Absolutely, so. Then, uh, go, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say, so we have the um, Aries new moon, I believe, no, Aries full moon coming up next month. So if you could, uh, why don't you tell us a little, about, uh, a little bit about that? Yeah, so on the 25th, we are going to have a full moon in Aries. Um, it's going to be conjunct Chiron. If you don't know, conjunct just means right next to. So think of it as those two energies working in tandem, uh, melding together almost and becoming one energy. Chiron being the wounded healer. Chiron is this deep wound that we all carry that ultimately can be alchemized and turned into a healing tool for ourselves and for others. Um, Think of, you know, let's say someone is sexually assaulted when they're younger and, you know, they go to therapy, they work through it and ultimately, you know, they write a book that inspires thousands of people to come out and share their story. That's a very Chiron-like energy, using your own pain to, you know, share your story and heal other people. So with that, this full moon is definitely going to have those healing vibes but it is opposite the sun and Mercury in Libra. So we're seeing that Aries-Libra axis, which is pretty much, you know, a tug of war between me doing for myself, putting myself work first, 
um, exerting my energy, letting my fire burn, as opposed to doing for others and bringing harmony to the situation. Um, you know, making everyone else feel good, making things feel pretty and just harmonized for the group. Um, and with that, both the Sun and Mercury together will be squaring Saturn, and then the Moon and Chiron will also be squaring Saturn. So there's a lot, uh, there's a very, very, very heavy full moon. I think all of the most recent full moons have more or less been more so about healing, um, you know, really coming into our own spirituality, letting things go, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas this one is more about, you know, do I want to be quiet and be hush-hush so that everyone else can be happy? Or am I going to voice this thing that's been eating at me for so long? You know, am I going to come out and and um, out my predators, even though it might hurt their family and the people, the other people around the situation? Um, things like that. I think the Me Too movement is really going to blow up around that time. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some more, like, very famous um Celebrity women star. coming forward or women outing some very famous predators um something to that effect especially being that they're squaring saturn in capricorn which is that male patriarchal figure um so definitely look to that look to that me too movement i really see it as being something really big with that but ultimately feel into that balance you know are you putting yourself first enough are you filling your own cup or are you giving too much to other people and into harmonizing before you take care of yourself? Um, so that's going to be a really big theme with that full moon. Um, Mars and, you know, Mars and Lilith are going to be conjunct in Aquarius during that time as well. So that also feeds into some of those themes of kind of like abuse and toxicity stifling someone's you know, their, their freedom, their creativity. Um, Lilith, Lilith is this very kind of captive energy that feels very stuck. It feels like it can't express itself because it's, its flame has been put out by society so many times. Um, yeah, so with that, there's just a lot going on with this full moon. I think it's going to be one of the more powerful ones for sure. Um, and then just the last thing that I had for you guys, um, there's a really, really, really big astrological alignment coming up. Um, it's actually June 21st, 2020. That's right. There's going to be, yeah, there's going to be a solar eclipse in Cancer. Um, this is huge because it's actually going to be conjunct the North Node as well as the North Node begins to shift into Cancer. This is really profound because we have all of this Capricorn energy that's been happening. Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter are going to be conjunct in Capricorn. Um, on the day of the eclipse, Saturn will technically be zero degrees Aquarius, but it's retrograde during that time. So it's going to move back into Capricorn. Um, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto conjunct in Capricorn. Um, those three planets haven't been conjunct since the 800s when humans started keeping time. That's when the first clocks were invented. So not to say that something that big is going to happen, 
but we can certainly expect something of that magnitude um, to go down, especially just that. They're almost going to be in opposition as well. Um, on that same Saturn. day? What was that? On that same day? On June? Yeah. Um, so Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto, they're all going to be retrograde as well, by the way. Um, but they're not in direct opposition to the eclipse, but they're, it's pretty close. So that, 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 and that tug of war is still happening on some level, not as strong as a direct opposition, but there is that Capricorn cancer, masculine, feminine kind of war happening with this energy. And if you're paying attention to the news and the media with all the Me Too stuff that's happening, all the Trump stuff that's happening, and then also the rise of spirituality. A lot of these topics are becoming trendy. People are starting to discover, you know, that Cancerian kind of energy, that psychic connectivity. So these clashes are just going to keep growing. And that, you know, that June 21st date, 2020, is definitely a milestone to look at. Um, the last thing with that is that Chiron is in Aries. Um, it just recently shifted into Aries, um, but it's going to be really coming into its power around that time. Chiron and Aries transits usually, um, they usually go hand in hand with war. Typically when Chiron ships into Aries, historically we've seen lots of wars during that time. So unfortunately that is also something that we could possibly be in store for. So just keep an eye on all right, and before you, um, before you head out, just to uh, plug your information, tell us where we can contact you, what your YouTube is, and um, the class that you're having coming up. Um, what is it, next week? Yeah. yeah, so the class actually starts on Thursday. Um, so if anyone would like to sign up for that last minute, um, my Instagram is at the underscore Akashic underscore review. Akashic is A-K-A-S-H-I-C. Um, you can click the link in my bio there, um, and it'll take you to my website where you can sign up for the class. My website is also www.theakashicreview.strikingly.com. Strikingly. Um, yeah. So also, um, I have a YouTube channel as well, The Akashic Review. Feel free to check that out as well. Um, but for anyone who's interested, in taking the class, it's going to be on the goddess archetypes in astrology. So the asteroids that were discovered in the 1970s during the women's rights movement, um, they're all female, Pallas, um, Vesta, Ceres, and I'm forgetting one. I'm having a- Athena or Lilith or what, what um, is it? We're actually going to be including Lilith, Chiron, right. and nodes yeah. in this class which is really cool, but the main four are Palace, Ceres, Vesta, and um, why am I forgetting one? What's the other one? Athena? Athena? No, no it's Palace. Of course I'm wrong. Ceres, <laughs> and... Um, Come on, you're teaching the class. But, all right, yeah, yeah. We'll do it. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all so good. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Yeah, so this, this class is going to be on some of the smaller celestial bodies in astrology. 
is really important because there's not a lot of information about them on the internet. So we're really compiling them and teaching this awesome class. It's going to be taught over four weeks. Um, we meet every Thursday at 5 p.m. So if anyone's interested in that, feel free to hit up my website. Again, theakashicreview.strikingly.com. And yeah, you can check that out there. All right. Well, thank you, Virgil Astrologer. And we will be talking to you next week. We'll go, I believe, deeper into Lilith because next episode we'll be finishing our series about sex and spirituality and things of that nature. So we'll be talking to you then. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. All right. You have a good night. All right. All right. Bye. All right. So we just had... Hey guys, it's Hood Healer Angel right here, and I'm with Witch Doctor Alex. Um, I believe you wanted to ask me some questions, considering I am joining as a co-host. Yes, as of today. And uh, yes, we'll just start it off. Yeah. um, Do you want me to introduce myself? (laughs) Well, yeah. So um, here we have Hood Healer Angel, my new co-host. Everybody, welcome, welcome him. And again, just you know, thank you for following back. Thank you for continuously listening to the Seven 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 Show podcast. And we're very excited to have our um, our co-host finally. So just give him a warm welcome. One day we'll have you know sound effects like a studio audience, but whatever, we'll get to it. Um, But yeah, so why don't you tell us what got you started in spirituality? Um, you know, it's funny that you asked me that because I don't even know how to answer that considering I believe spirituality has been a part of my life all my life secretly, but I never knew how to express that. Um, I'm a very sentimental person. I'm an empath. So my whole life, I think that's kind of what got me in tune with being into my spiritual path. Um, being able to feel people's energies and then confusing them with mine is what got me in tune with spirituality, also with the stones and crystals. Um, Tell us how it started. What exactly, what exactly was like your turning point? What did you feel was your turning point to like get you to where you are now? Well, honestly, let's just say I had a rough childhood growing up considering um, my mother's a recovering addict. You know, she's currently about three years sober. You know, thank you, thank you. But you know, growing up, I didn't have the best childhood. Um, My mother took off at a very young age. I raised a lot of my siblings with my sister. But with that being said, you know, I think I've always had this faith in me that never wanted to give up um, spiritually. But when I had my spiritual awakening, it happened during the time of 2014 in July. I had gotten into a serious breakup, and even though I was the one that ended the relationship, I did go through a serious heartbreak, considering that I was still in love with the person, even though I knew I wasn't ready for a relationship. Long story short, um, you know, Crystal started talking to me during this time era. I had met up with a friend by the name of Benjamin, and he's really in tune with Crystal's, and I had a moonstone calling me originally when I was going through this awakening cause. I was scrolling down Instagram, you know, doing the normal thing, you know, that this new age does. And while I was scrolling down Instagram, I had bumped into this moonstone 
bracelet that just called my name. And it's not like it called my name over its beauty. Of course, they're beautiful, but something energetically just called out to me. So I clicked on the page. It so happened to be that the page was actually showing that the location was in Inglewood, and I live in Inglewood, California, and it was two blocks away from my house. So I showed up to the place, and I was like, damn, this is crazy. It's two blocks away out of all places. It's like it's meant to be. I showed up. I met the guy, Benjamin. He gave me the moonstone, and on top of that, he edu started educating me on the stones, and it's like when I was around these crystals, they were just talking to me, telling me different things. I was feeling the vibrations on them, and it just started right there. What would you feel, um, tell us some of your, your favorite stones or what do you like to work with mostly? Um, my favorite stone is a Lemurian, personally. I don't really favor stones, but Lemurian's like my number one stone considering it's a spiritual stone. And I believe that's the stone that gave me my spiritual awakening. Um, like I said, in 2014, about four years ago, I had um, gotten that stone in Venice Beach. I was walking down Venice Beach and I had bumped into a guy. His name is Steven. He has like a big lump in his face. If you ever go down there, you'll see him. Nice. He's, yeah. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> I was pretty high. And <laughs> out of nowhere, I seen the Lemurian stone. I didn't even know what the Lemurian stone was called. I just got it. And next thing you know, I'm just getting these spiritual awakenings. I'm getting in tune with um, energy being positive, not fitting into the negative, and just like being present. Time after time, I started going into different crystal shops and then doing a different events, and I so happened to bump into this guy that was um, very well educated on stones as well, and he had noticed the Lemurian stone that I currently thought was a crystal quartz, and he told me that it was not a crystal quartz, it was a Lemurian, he educated me on them, and I found out at that time that the things that I was going through was pretty much what the stone was presenting to me. You know, I was going through a spiritual awakening. I was becoming very conscious and just not really focused on the negative so much. You know, Lemurian stone has spiritual knowledge, wisdom. If you ever see them, they have lines across them. They look like a clear quartz. And that's the stone that spoke to me originally. I often use that one for, or I often consider that one like as the road opener stone and, and hoodoo and root work. Um, so like I like using that one as well. What would you consider, um, or now that I know that you're actually like a Reiki practitioner, like what do you feel is the most common thing people come to you with as far as like whether it's depression or anxiety or like, you know, overall sadness? What do you feel that most people suffer from? excuse me, suffer from nowadays. Okay. Before I get into that, I just want to say, yeah, I did just become a Reiki practitioner. I do want to give a shout out to my Reiki master, Heidi, um, Reiki art love. Um, well, even before I got into Reiki, the things that people always came into me was over, you know, depression, um, heartbreaks, of course, and people that are just stressing over their job. And what do you like, how do you... How do I help them out with that? Well, you know, of course, Reiki and tuning in general is able to give you that universal life force healing. But, um, you know, I'm in tune with the chakras. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, just like you were saying, you're in tune with the chakras. Saying, I know we were talking, well, privately last time. Right. Um, people who suffer from, like, let's say... 
health ailments like weight gain or um, indigestion or even depression, um, what would you say like would be your prescription for that? Because I know we talked about like at least off po- podcast, we talked about like um, how you match up with the chakras and the colors. So uh, tell us a little bit about your theory about that or how you feel okay. to go forward with that. So, you know, of course, Reiki is a really good healing instrument to use. It's a channeling healing energy. But on top of that, you know, with crystals, for people that are going through depression or have any type of anxiety, I like to recommend starting off with colors. You know, we have the red for the root chakra, the orange for the sacral, the yellow for the solar plexus, the green for the heart, the blue for the throat, (laughs) the third eye for the indigo, and then purple which is for the crown. Um, I like to always remind people that if they don't know what kind of stone they're getting, if they look at the color of the crystal, it kind of amplifies that chakra. So if you know the colors of the chakras, you could get in tune with what that shock, that stone would amplify. Um, for people that are going through anxiety or just going through some type of aching um, and depression, I would, rec- pe- I would recommend people usually to have in a carnelian stone. Um, That one's good for a calming collective. It helps you bypass any type of anxiety you have. It's a calming stone. And it also helps you organize things together for people that are just stressing out on time. What would you feel would be good for people? um, Not necessarily, well, maybe possibly for protection, but I know a lot of people come to me for, um, like, as far as getting rid of negativity or dispelling negativity. Tell us a little about, about that. Okay. So um, for negativity, of course, um, there's a stone by the name of Tourmaline. It's, I believe you said this was your favorite stone last time. Yeah, black tourmaline. Um, Obsidian. These stones right here, they actually absorb um, ions. So what they do is they absorb um, positive ions, which create negative energy, and they amplify them into positive energy. So they're a good protective stone. They remove negative energy around you, and they're able to protect you through whatever you're going through. Nice, nice. All right, and then my next question would be, let's say someone's coming to you and they're going through a bad breakup. Like, what would you suggest that they do? Not just stone-wise, okay. but I mean, even with, because I know you're very good at motivational speaking and okay. um, yeah. like as far as encouragement, so just tell us a little bit about that and go into detail if you like. No, you're good, please. I'm actually really <laughs> glad that you fucking asked me this. Thank you. Good, good. <laughs> Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not to put any of my friends out on blast or anything, but like anytime my friends are going through issues or anything, I'm like the number one guy to go to. Wonderful. <laughs> and it's like ironic because I'm not even in a relationship, but I always, I believe I have the answers. I've helped out a lot of people. Um, um, I just lost my train of thought. But heartbreak. <clears throat> yeah, heartbreak. People that are usually going through heartbreak, I like to remind people to be present. You know, um, it can be... It's kind of corny whenever I say it, but I practice what I preach. And whenever someone is caught up thinking about what if, what if could have happened, what, what if I didn't do this with this person, what if, um, like, you know, just look, people start questioning themselves and they start looking back in the past. So, you know, with that being said, they're not being present. They're not realizing where they're at. They're not realizing what they got on. It's as simple as those things. You have to get in tune and realize and focus where you're at. Like, okay, at this moment, I'm talking to Alex. I'm not thinking about my partner that I was with two years ago that broke my heart because that's not what's valid right now. I mean, things happen for a reason, and they're able to amplify you or they can downplay you. But if you're able to be present, you can always be able to just be in tune with who you are. 
And some people are like, oh, it's really hard to be present. It's like, how do you be present? What I like to focus on is like, just if you ever catch yourself like thinking very hard about the past or like even a heartbreak that you're going through, you can just look at something like that's right in front of you and be like, okay, I'm right here um, looking at this orange juice and I can die within the next two seconds. So why the heck am I fucking even stressing on this person? Simple as that. Nice. And I believe that's honestly what I went through in a transition when I started going through a heartbreak because I started realizing, hey, I mean, what's done is done. I cannot change the past. It's already happened. Either I can learn from it or I can just keep on stressing on it and just let go of my life. So, you know, that's when you realize that this moment is all we truly have, no matter what. And this is the only moment that we're given. And I truthfully mean that from, like, the bottom of my heart. Like, you're like I don't even know how to express it. Like, And you realize that it truly is a gift. Like, you can do anything you want. Like, you know, some people are entrapped in their um, their jobs. And, you know, I catch myself thinking about that when I'm at work as well. But then I realize I still had to be present because, you know what, that's all I have. That's all we all have. You know, we all have nothing but this moment. You know, what's done is done. I know I've said that already numerous times, but that's what I like to enforce on humanity because a lot of people are unaware of the omnipresence. You know, that's what, you know, a lot of spirituality is about. That's the number one thing to getting in tune with your higher self with being present. That's beautiful. Thank you, thank you. My next question is, um, you said that you were an empath and you have that empathic ab uh, ability as do I. What did you feel or what would you say would, was your first indication that you started to have that gift or you, your indication that you did have that gift? Tell us a little about that. Yeah. Well, like any empath, um, I don't think we really know that we're empaths until we're like kind of educated on it. You just kind of get lucky to get that information. Mm -hmm. But um, I kind of knew my whole life considering, you know, like I said, my mom's a recovering addict. And, you know, just with all the stuff that I surrounded myself, well, that was surrounded to, with me in my childhood, I think that's what made me realize that I was empath as well. Because whenever people were depressed in the house, I somehow was depressed and I had no reason to be depressed. And I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. My mom and dad were having the worst arguments behind me and my sister's back and I would just pick up on that energy. Or even just being at school, you know, um, all that energy, the so much energy gave me energy. Like, so with all these people at school having energy, you know, so much of a big crowd, it's like over amplifying. It could either break you down or you can either just, um, get so much energy from it. It depends on who you're surrounded by, especially when you're surrounded by vampires. You know, there's people that just know how to drain people's energy. energy. Exactly. Yeah. And um, being an empath, I believe that's when you realize that it's strong because when an empath is surrounded by those kind of people, their energy is just trained. And an empath can be a vampire themselves. It just depends on what kind of empath you are. What would you feel like, describe like, a situation where how you would deal with that situation is there like would you go to the beach tell us what you would do how do I heal myself? yeah yeah how do you heal yourself exactly yeah. thank yeah. you yeah, no right. yeah. <laughs> so for if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're um you consider yourself an empath or you're unaware of what empath is once again an empath is able to pretty much pick up emotions pick up anything that's around them and just feel that context um what i do personally to pretty much heal myself i sage myself every day 
Um, I'm very in tune with these crystals. These crystals are very protective. So, you know, of course, you can be empathetic towards the crystal's energy as well. That's when I realized that energy is strong. And empaths are really in tune with crystals and stones. So I use my stones. I use sage. I love to go to the beach whenever I get a chance to just release that energy that I picked up. And also cleaning up your house um, with anything, any, any ceremonies that you personally can do, any rituals that you have personally done. Um, um, I'm very, I like sage a lot. When I first met Alex not too long ago, he seen me way lighting sage in front of him and he was like, are you just lighting that because I, you think I have negative energy? And I'm like, no, I just honestly just like to light sage because energy can be picked up on the corners and if you're surrounded by that energy, you could honestly pick that up. Question? Nice. Oh, no, keep going. Man. So what I do is I, I sage myself a lot. I use a lot of Palo Santo. I go to the beach, and I like to remind myself present. And if I ever do get depressed and I don't know why I'm depressed, I remind myself that I am an empath, and it's not my energy, and I need to cleanse this energy before it becomes a part of who I am for the rest couple of days. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we end this show, we're just going to tell you about our next episode next episode we'll be talking with jessica pruitt telling us about the art of success um the book that she wrote uh, i believe the free ebook that she still has i believe it's still free hopefully for you guys it's still free and we'll be talking with her um coming up this week as well as going more into detail about lilith in astrology and more things that you can add to um your sexual health um but before we um and the show, we're going to be pulling some cards, pulling some tarot. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. I, I want to ask you a question. Sure. So what made you want to get her on the show? Oh. Yeah, if you don't mind answering. Oh, yeah, because I talked to her last uh, last year, and we just had, like, a really good rapport. Like, I felt it was really um, relevant to talk to her about, or we'll talk with her on the show, mainly because I did an episode about um, sex magic. Okay. And as most people know, you know, I practice who, but I feel like the most powerful um, type of manifesting that you can do is through sexuality and through using your sex power. So, and she is, you know, a living testament. She's not just, you know, me harping on and on about like, you know, what's in a book and what I've done and right. how I practice it. Right, right. She's actually someone besides myself who's actually like that can tell you. And she's even written a book. I'm excited. She's even written a book. <laughs> so we, you know, we have that for us uh, next week. So we're excited to get that to you. And uh, do you have any more questions from me, Mr. Hilary Angel? No. My empathetic energy is kicking in. Alrighty, so we're gonna just we're just gonna pull a three card for you guys, as we normally do, and we're gonna shuffle these, and then Angel's gonna help me out, and then we're gonna end the show for you guys. And again, thank you for listening to the Seven 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 Show. We're gonna play your three card. Ooh, so I'm gonna shuffle as he's shuffling, and then I'm gonna give you my interpretation, and then Hood Healer Angel will give you his interpretation of the three card. And it's just solely off intuition and or what we know in regards to the rider weight. And I think, you know, I'm, I have a plan to do like a whole episode about tarot coming up. Right. Um, but we're working on that. So, okay. We'll have that cooking up for you guys pretty soon. Um, but as usual, thank you for listening to us. So let's see. Father, Son, Holy Spirit speaks. Please speak through the cards in regards to the three week, three card energy for us. Past. All right, two of wands, unexpected obstacles, 
Ten of Swords. Putting things to our um, We've caused things on our own, but the sun will come up. And nice. beautiful lovers. Right. One astrological trend is um, Venus went into Scorpio, so that might have something to do with it. So what I'm getting from this three card is, you know, um, this upcoming energy for this upcoming next seven days, there's going to be some unexpected obstacles, things that right. we weren't really necessarily prepared for. And I believe that's mainly because of all the Virgo energy that's swimming around. You know, we um, have a tendency, Virgo energy is very much of a, per, a perfectionist energy. And things might throw us off track because of all that anal retentive energy and needing everything to be perfect. Because of that perfectionist energy, we have Ten of Swords and we're causing all this pain to ourselves. But luckily, the beautiful thing about it is that there's no bloodshed. Right. So, like, all these swords that we're putting in our own back belong to us. But right. because of all that stress, all that drama, all that anxiety, and all that nervousness, the sun will come up again. Mm -hmm. And the lover's card, which was the final card, is things that things that normally don't come together coming together and working in perfect harmony. Right. So it's, it's working together for our perfect good. Angel, if you want to tell yeah. us your interpretation of it. No, this is beautiful because I honestly see myself in here right now. You know, I see the two of wands, which represents pretty much somebody that's walking into something that they're not really familiar with. It's a brand new world, but it's upside down. So, you know, with that being said, it's kind of like a reverse effect on it. So they kind of already know what's going on. But with, like you said, with the um, Ten of Swords, we cause our own problems. So it's kind of like we're seeing everything for what it is, but at the same time, we're questioning it. But with the lovers going on, I see that there's a beautiful ending in t on top of that. So we shouldn't be hurting ourselves over what we're thinking about and just focus on the positive because the sun is still there. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes episode eight of the 777 show we thank you for listening and we will see you next time god bless satnam satnam <laughs>